Well, there is a fair amount of pressure on a preacher to have a killer illustration. I'm just going to say, okay, that now that because I want you to like bear with me and I have to take a deep breath because of the pressure. Except for today. Because today, the text itself, Shelley has just read, comes with its own killer illustration. And that is the illustration that all of us have witnessed about a baby who is hungry for milk. There's something about a baby that's hungry for milk that's different than a grown-up who's hungry. grown-up who's hungry, you know, might search Yelp for a good restaurant. And could go to a hundred. Okay? An adult who is hungry might raid the refrigerator and pick from any number of things in there. But a baby has really only two needs. One on the coming inside and one on the going outside. And you take care of the going outside, there is only one thing left. And the baby desires milk. And it's I mean, it is one of the things that I appreciate most about being a grandpa as opposed to being just a dad. Because it, when I'm just a dad, I hear it in the middle of the night. The baby desiring milk. It's like, shh, let me go back to sleep. But when, when you're grandpa, you know, it's not your problem. It's somebody else's problem. But nonetheless, it's still the baby. It's still the baby desiring that. And, and you've all seen it. I mean, you've all seen a baby arch your, arch your back and scream. And then only when the baby you know, latches on and actually gets milk, you just can see the whole body just relax. Like, ah, finally. And the whole room, the atmosphere of the whole room changes. The atmosphere of the whole family just relaxes. Because the thing the baby longed for, it got. The thing the baby wanted the most, it received and was satisfied. And that's the illustration that, that Peter uses to say, I want all of you to have that kind of desire for pure spiritual milk. I want all of you to go for it like a baby does. To be as relentless as a baby is in pursuit of what you know will meet your deepest need. And he's talking, of course, then not so much about physical, something physical as he is about something spiritual. Something that will satisfy the deepest spiritual longing in your heart. So let's look again. If you haven't opened your Bible yet, please open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll begin reading just in the first verse as we see what God invites us into through His Word this morning. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord 
is good. And so here we have an invitation again to crave more than we experience. This command to crave or to long for or to desire, it is a command. It's like you need to control and uh, control what you desire. Control your heart so that you want the right things. That's the command. And it's really the fourth in a series of commands. He starts off the letter with the glory of the Gospel. And he says that you have been uh, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus for the cleansing and forgiveness of your sins. You have been, he says, uh, you have been born again God caused you to be born again into a living hope where there was only despair, now there's hope. You have this hope which leads you to an ultimate salvation that you could speak of as as the richest of inheritances that is kept in heaven for you. It's not going anywhere. Nothing's going to happen to it. It will be good when you get there. And, he says, you are going to get there because you are guarded in order that you'll get there. And so all over and over and over, he tells us that there is good news. And that this good news comes when you believe in Christ, when you love Christ, then you experience this salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. And once He gets us there, then He gives us four responses, four things that we should pursue or do as a result of believing the Gospel. The first is in chapter 1, verse 15. He said, You also be holy in all your conduct. Your, uh, Your faith in Jesus produces an ethical result. You You are to be holy like God is holy. There is an imitative result where, where you are pursuing a person, the person of God, and you're becoming like Him. The second one, then, is to conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So as you're living this life, you're to live it in the fear of the Lord. It's the same language used in the Old Testament to say that's the beginning of wisdom. It is the, the way that you live life when life works at its best. So conduct yourselves with fear as a response to the good news of Jesus. Then the third one we looked at last week, which says, love one another earnestly from the heart. It's not just enough to talk about brotherly love or love, but to love earnestly and love earnestly from the heart. You are to command yourself, you might say, to pursue love. And so, those are the first three. And then the fourth one is in the text today, and it is to long for. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. To have a deep-seated soul longing is the idea. I love the the way the NIV translates it. Crave 
this pure spiritual milk. So that there is this craving that unless it's satisfied, you will be in some kind of pain or anguish, much like a newborn baby craves milk. If you were to translate this word uh, from the Greek literally, it would be lust. But that would confuse some people, probably. So, But lust after this pure spiritual milk. Desire it at the deepest, most heartfelt, most active level. That's this fourth command. The response that you have to the Gospel is like a newborn baby, long for pure spiritual milk. Pursue it. Chase after it. Which then would cause us to ask the question, okay, what is it that I'm to pursue or chase after? What is it that I'm to desire with all my heart? And he labels it this, long for pure spiritual milk. Some of you, if you have an NASB or a, uh, I think a King James, it says pure spiritual milk of the Word. But in this case, that's... Of the Word is not in there. It's just pure spiritual milk. So what is this pure spiritual milk? I want to suggest to you that what he's telling us is that the thing that will satisfy your soul, like milk satisfies an infant, is the Gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ the fact that God has done for you in Christ what you could not do for yourself, if you get a little more of that, you will find it as satisfying as a baby with milk. So let me show you why I think that's what it says. Desire pure spiritual milk of the Gospel, you might say. Says, but the word that, so going back to chapter one, verse twenty-five, the last, the last verse in the last chapter. Just so you know, the, these chapter divisions and the verse divisions are there for our convenience. They were added after the Bible was written, so that I could say, turn to First Peter chapter two, instead of saying we all have to have matching Bibles that have all the same page numbers or something. And I say, turn to this chapter or this paragraph, this page, and it'll be just take us half the whole meeting just to get to the right section. So it's added later. In other words, this is the same thought. Chapter two is an extension of what happens in chapter one, and chapter one ends this way. This word is the good news. It's the the gospel. Okay, gospel means good news. So when he's talking about God's Word, he's talking in particular about the Word that points you to Jesus. He's talking about the Word which makes you understand what God is doing for you in the person of Jesus. That's the good news. So when Paul tells us the good news, he says that that according to the Scriptures, Christ died, He was buried, and He rose again according to the Scriptures. So, according to the Scriptures is the Word. The Gospel is the fact that the pinnacle of everything written in the Bible, it points us to Jesus. So, this pure spiritual milk is what God's Word says about Jesus. 
Now I say that because that is what has happened all the way through here in First Peter. I already mentioned what, what it talked about in the first few verses, but if you go after that, it says that the prophets in the Old Testament were longing to find out who the person was that would fulfill all of these prophecies. And when would He do that? So, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, they were all looking ahead to say, who's it going to be, this Messiah? When is He going to come? So that we might have uh, faith in a person. In fact, He tells us uh, there uh, in verse 12 that the angels are peering over the edge of heaven looking down to see if the church is actually going to embrace Jesus as God intended. This is the good news. It is the good news about Jesus made evident in the Scriptures. That's the pure spiritual milk. That's what chapter 1 is all about. So it points us to what God has done for us in Christ. To tell us that there is no way that you are going to have a new start unless somebody else from outside of you causes you to be born again. There is no way that you will have a living hope that will last forever unless someone outside of you gives it to you. And that's the good news. The good news is Peter is telling us this is happening in Jesus. And so this Word that was preached to you is the good news. That's fair to say part of the reason I think this pure spiritual milk has to do with the good news of Jesus more than just all of the Bible. Because I think there is there are parts of the Bible not that are bad news, but just don't represent what you're supposed to get out of it. I mean, you can get the, the, the measurements of the temple. You can get the height of Goliath. You can try and figure out all of the travels of the Apostle Paul. And while those things are interesting and may be helpful, the reality of the good news is that when Paul preached in all of those places, he was telling about the resurrection of Jesus. The point of it is Jesus. That's what Peter wants us to recognize. So, in verse 3, after he says, crave this pure spiritual milk, he gives us a hint as to what he's talking about. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In order to give us this hint, he quotes to us from the Old Testament, from, from Psalm chapter 34, verse 8. Okay? That doesn't have to be that great. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but it doesn't have to be that important right now. Except to say that when he says, you have tasted that the Lord is good, he's talking about the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel. You have tasted that God is good. So if you've tasted that God is good, then crave more. So he's saying it is this person, the person of God, that is going to satisfy you, that your craving is invited, that you're invited to crave. And then he goes on. So the next verse, verse 3 says, you've tasted the Lord is good. And then he tells us who the Lord is here. As you come to Him, a living stone 
rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So, he, you see what he did there. It's a little theological sleight of hand, you might say. A little theological uh, clarity that he brings to, a, uh, to this for us. He says that you've tasted that the Lord, Yahweh, is good as you come to Him. Come to who? Come to this living stone. Who is a living stone? It's not God per se. Because God has chosen this stone and considers this stone precious. He's clearly, and if you keep reading, he's clearly talking about the person of Jesus. And so Peter does for us in this text, he does for us in this text, what he did when he was walking with Jesus. Jesus said, who people say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter now in this text is saying, if you've tasted that Christ is good, and you come to Him as a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, then crave more. The beauty of what you have here in Christ, what He does for you in Jesus, is so soul-satisfying, thirst-quenching, hunger-gratifying, that you're invited to desire more and more and more. And so the invitation then for us is to pursue Jesus. And so I, I just love, I mean, I just love the fact that there are so many of you so interested, so passionate about learning more about God from His Word. And I want you to do that. I want to encourage you. But I want to make sure that as you do, you are focusing yourself on where God would focus you. On what He is doing for you in Christ. The center of the book is the person of Jesus. And it's the person of Jesus that you are to crave like a baby craves milk. And when you do, your heart will be uh, satisfied and your hunger will be, uh, your thirst will be slaked. And so he goes back and he says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk. Long for the gospel. Crave more of Jesus. That by it, you might grow up into salvation. So the cause of your growth into your salvation, the, the cause of you becoming more like Jesus, the cause of you becoming the person that God wants you to be is the Gospel. Now this is important because that's not how I've always viewed it. Right? My initial uh, Christian experience went something like this. I was in a Sunday school or a VBS uh, and they told me I needed to believe in Jesus and I said, okay, I believe in Jesus. Everyone was happy. I believed the Gospel. Then, it appeared to me like after I believed the Gospel, then I was supposed to go and be a good boy. 
and I was supposed to, you know, do all of the things like obeying my parents and not lying and being, you know, being good, all of these things by my own power. And then when that didn't happen, which I'm just going to say it didn't, then what? Then I had to try a little harder, right? No, I just would hate it. And I would go home and I'd say, God, why can't I be a better boy? Why can't I do what I know is right? And I couldn't. And I couldn't because I had translated what it meant to be Christian as try and you know, do better yourself. And what is happening with this verse is you're desiring the pure spiritual milk of the Gospel so that that Gospel itself causes you to change. That Gospel itself. What God is doing for you in Jesus is bringing about the change that God demands. So that you're no longer simply just gritting your teeth and trying harder and hoping that you can change yourself. You are by faith embracing what God is doing for you in Christ. And you're just saying, help me. I got nothing here. And I need you. See, that's really what it means to have faith. And we have faith on the first day, like I did in that Sunday school class. But the point of this is that like you were a newborn baby, all of the time you are desiring this pure spiritual milk. You're longing for or craving the Gospel. I'm desiring to hear more. Won't you please encourage me more about what God has done for me in Christ. And what God has done for me in Christ is the thing that causes me to grow and causes me to be free and causes me to change like I want. I just had had a bad experience this week that caused me regret, that caused me fear, that caused me disappointment, that caused me a bit of anger. I'm just like, oh. And the thing is, I was reminded of it the next day, and I was reminded of it the next day, and it's like, ugh, ugh. And I thought, how, how do I get rid of this? And I was thinking about this. Okay, of course, all right, I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to talk to you about the gospel. But I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about, come on now, get, get over this. And I couldn't. And I realized, you know what? I need someone to speak into my life what God has done for me in Christ. I get free of that thing because God has forgiven it. Because God has healed the shame. Because God has taken away the disgrace. Because God has solved my brokenness here. And I, right now, this very moment, need more. And I began even then as I realized, duh, you're going about it the old way. I realized, What you need, preachers, to preach to yourself. You need to crave the Gospel so that you get more of what God is doing for you in Jesus. So that I might grow up into salvation instead of simply spiraling in my own self-effort going nowhere. That is really what He is inviting us to do here. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. That's the command. And the result then is that you grow and you become the person you should be on your way to final salvation.
And so now, the things that support that craving are putting away malice. This isn't, in the original language, this isn't an imperative. This isn't saying, put it away. Like I was just saying, right? Get rid of those things. Try a little harder. It's not that. It's uh, simply uh, putting away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Just by putting it away, crave pure spiritual milk. In other words, as you crave this pure spiritual milk, these things are put away. The result of you craving is that these things disappear. So that instead of your trying harder to do better, it's God's work in you as you embrace what He is doing for you in Christ that causes these things to fall away. The malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander. I mean, this is a, this is a bad collection of things here. Malice, malice is to speak evil. It's to, it's to not only assume the worst, but to make it known. That's malice. All deceit is simply to, to cause people to believe something untrue. To shade the truth, to hide the truth, to change the truth so that they're deceived. Hypocrisy, of course, is putting on a mask so that people can't uh, see who you really are. Envy is desiring something that doesn't belong to you. Somebody's success, envying somebody's success, wishing they didn't have it because you don't have it. I don't know which is the ugliest of this group, but that one might be it. Or slander, which is simply speaking against other people. And I don't know if any of you recognize this list, but this is, this is the list of the way we used to do things. This is the list of the way that we operated before the Gospel intercepted us. Before we were caused to be born again, these are, these are the tools of the trade. And what he says is, this whole ugly mass of things, just let it put away as you crave the pure, let it be put away as you crave the pure spiritual milk of the gospel. The other thing I want you to notice about this collection of words is that none of them are solo words. If you are all by yourself in your room, and there was never another person that you had to interact with, there'd be no malice or deceit or hypocrisy or envy or slander. This is a collection of corporate words. What he's trying to change here is the way that we work with each other. The fact that the Gospel doesn't just change me as an individual, it changes us as a group. Okay, If some businesses have you know, value uh, statements or... Um, some sort of corporate identity and they put it on the wall and they ignore it after that. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of like that, only you're not to ignore it. This would be like a family that says, these are the way, this is the way we operate in our family. We don't have these things. Or it would be like, I, I don't know if you were ever on a sports team that, that had a culture that was healthy and successful. And it wasn't just that the coach demanded a lot from the players, it was that the players demanded a lot from each other. So that if ever somebody didn't hustle down the court, 
it wasn't just the coach that blew the whistle. It was the other players that said, come on, what's wrong? Let's get with the program here. So that if the coach did make the whole team run because one person didn't hustle down the court, that was the way it did. Because it was a, it was a team. They were in this together. And what he's saying is that the gospel doesn't merely change me as an individual. It changes us together as a family. Together as a team. And so, that's one of the reasons that we are all uh, to be in relationship with other people. Even other people that drive us crazy. Because loving one another earnestly from the heart is a response of the Gospel. Putting these things away so that we can crave together this pure spiritual milk is a function of things that we do together. And none of these things can I do by myself. So he's trying to change not just an individual, but all of us when we're together. If indeed you all together have tasted that the Lord is good. If you all have tasted that the Lord is good, then y'all should crave this pure spiritual milk. And y'all ought to be putting away those bad things. See, I always wanted to be a southern preacher. Because they actually have an extra word that helps me talk about the Bible. Because this is the way that it is. It's something. It's a, it's, a, it's a culture in this church that God wants us to develop. Where we're all helping each other crave. We're all helping each other put away. We're all loving earnestly from the heart. We're all tasting together that the Lord is good. That's what He's after. I mentioned earlier that this tasting that the Lord is good comes from Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is a psalm to encourage those who are in exile. Those who are on the outside. Those who are hurting. And I think that that's one of the things that we need to do for each other. We need to remind each other of those things that will help us and will encourage us together. And so he says this in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and He answered me. Can I give you some good news? If you seek the Lord, He'll meet you. He'll answer you. And He delivered me from all my fears. This is the message I needed somebody to remind me of earlier this week. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. When I was disappointed in myself, I needed somebody just to say to me, you know what? Yeah, you're going to feel crummy sometimes, but God has taken away the shame. The good news is the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. The Lord will protect you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Won't you take refuge in Jesus instead of your own uh, good behavior? Won't you take refuge in Jesus instead of your own self-image or your self-constructed life? Because you'll be blessed if you do. This is part of the good news for those who don't fit in in the world around them. This is good news for those 
who are exiled on account of the fact they believe in a different king, a king that will deliver them and encamp around them to keep them safe. And then he says, Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The good news that you can count on is that God Himself will see to it you are cared for. And we remind ourselves of this. And we, we taste it just a little bit. We one time remember that we should pray instead of try harder. And we do pray and the Lord meets us there. And then we tell our friends. And there we encourage each other to crave it just a little bit more. That's the design of the church. So that as exiles, when we don't have that in the world around us, we don't fit in there, then what we do, we remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven who loves us and is doing for us in Christ what we can't do for ourselves. And we invite each other, don't you want it just a little bit more? Go after that. Go after it hard. Pursue the Gospel. Long for pure spiritual milk so that you might grow up into it. And I would be, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that this affective command, this desire here, this motivation is really at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. That you're, it isn't just that your behavior has changed, it's that your heart is changed because God changes it. That's the Gospel. That's the good news. And so, I want you to crave being changed from the inside out so that you might then enjoy in a different way this salvation this inheritance that's yours, this community of faith that encourages you. All of those things. And, just so you know, I mean, it says this on, on the bulletin you received when you came in. I mean, our mission as a church is to, is to expose and cultivate this longing. I mean, the, the mission of our church is to engage those who are disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. It is this pure spiritual milk in Him through Jesus that we are to crave or to delight in tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and wanting more and more of it all the time. And so it's my hope and prayer, first of all, that you, every single individual here, would cultivate the craving. That you would cry in the middle of the night like a newborn infant longing for milk. You would desire what God has for you in Christ. But also, it's my desire for you as a community that you would help each other with that. That you would speak truth into each other's lives so that more than anything, you want to please and enjoy and love Jesus, you might crave that pure spiritual milk you find in the Gospel. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I know that all of us are somewhere on a spectrum from not caring about it at all to super, super thirsty 
for this spiritual milk. Father, I pray that You would drive us all to a deeper and more abiding longing. A longing that our hearts might be satisfied, that the, the brokenness in our hearts might be mended by the perfection and the beauty of Jesus. That the sin in our hearts might be cleansed. That the anger might be dissipated. That the fear might be put away. That we might be filled more and more by Your Spirit. Father, all of us long for more of a desire and more of an experience of You. Would You help us, I pray. Father, even as we sing about this in the next moments, would You help us to taste and see that it's the Lord that is good. And would You satisfy us again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.